Get more for your money this Thanksgiving at Meyer. Set the table with Meyer Grade A frozen turkey for 55 cents per pound, limit two. Then save with everyday low prices on sides like Meyer frozen steamable sweet corn and Meyer cream of mushroom soup, a five pound bag of russet potatoes for 99 cents, and Pillsbury crescents and pie crust. Buy three, get two free. Plus, get the same low Meyer prices no matter how you shop, in store or online. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. You know those times in the day when you can't fit in a full podcast? Running out to the store, walking the dog, or washing the dishes? Jam is the new way to listen when you have just enough time for the perfect short audio playlist. Get started at listentojam.com slash podcast and get your daily Jam playlist filled with more voices in less time. With Jam, you can choose from news, parenting tips, wellness advice, and more. Go to listentojam.com slash podcast and satisfy your curiosity with short audio. Discover something new every day. Mental Podcast is a show dedicated to individuals and mental health professionals, providing support, information, and some candid conversations along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle, PK, and Seth. Well, well, well. Love that new intro. Me well, too. Well, well. Who is the voice on that intro? It sounds like Chris. I love how he says your name. It's airy. Put the air to it. What is that about? Seth. Hello, everyone. Welcome <laughs> to an episode of Mental 2021. Wow. Woo-hoo. How did we get here? How did we get here? God, we survived. A lot of shit. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about it. I'll tell you about what the shit. Well, I mean, so was was twenty twenty not was it not was it not good? Oh my goodness! Mm. You're not even going to you know, do an intro today. You're not even going to do a segue. <laughs> nothing. Just tell me about twenty twenty one. Flat out. Get here. To we it. are. Let's just new do year. it. He said, he said he was done with the foreplay. PK, it's, you so. did. You told me that at the beginning <laughs> of this episode. You said Welcome I don't want any to foreplay. Mental. Welcome to Mental, <laughs> a show about. Hello. I mean, Good. something, an intro, something. I mean, goodness gracious, just, hey, tell me about it. PK, PK, bring in the professionalism. Back to mental. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let's just no, get down we, with this, Seth. We need as much help as we can get. Welcome well. to an episode of Mental Podcast. Today, <laughs> myself, Michelle Collins, and PK Langley are coming Hi. to you with a new episode here in 2021. And... I think it's appropriate that now that we are in a new year, that we have a serious conversation. Well, I always say serious, don't I? Yeah, you do. I no, do. it's not We're serious gonna, at it's all. It's not serious. It's, it's lighthearted. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's lighthearted. We're going to talk about change. Shockingly. Shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new year. <laughs> I'm like super, super good at change. You can ask so many people at my, like at where I work, they pride me on my ability to 
to handle change. I, I, I'm really happy that we're talking about this because I just think I have sensing so much. Sarcasm. I'm sorry. I have I'm so much I'm sensing a huge amount of bullshit. The, there is a huge bucket of bull ass shit. Yes, I agree. Yeah, rolling out here right now because the second you say change Seth Showalter's face just freezes. Freaks out. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure I believe you, but, you know, it's okay. I think change is the most difficult freaking thing to do for anybody. It is the hardest thing because we get so conditioned to routine. Routine is the easiest thing to do for human beings. Easiest. But before we get into that conversation, we have to do our mental minutes because mental minutes are... I think super duper important for mental health professionals to hear, yes. especially coming from all of us. You know, um, I, th- I think Agreed. that they're important because we can get real and raw about what we deal with on the daily. And I mean, for Michelle, Michelle is a, a type of person that's like a tuning fork. Uh, she picks up uh, people uh, very easily and she's drawn to them. And, and so because of that, she has a lot of mental minutes to talk about and, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, if you if you would start us off today, Michelle, that would be fabulous. Uh, well, New Year. You know, I, and, and it's ironic because I was doing some thinking earlier um, and I actually put a video out on Facebook this morning uh, where I was thinking about this. I went back and reviewed, you know, how Facebook has your memories come up. And yeah. I went back and I always look through that, you know, and and I've noticed that. Every year, sometimes there was a video, sometimes it was in written form, but almost without fail, every one of those throughout several years now has mentioned how happy I am that that year is over and ready to move on to the next one. Mm -hmm. And certainly, of course, 2020 holds a a very special distinction (laughs) as far as feeling like the year was shitty. However, it made me stop and think about my perspective. And and so I, I took a moment to reflect and I realized that there's good and bad that happens in every year. Now, granted, 2020 has set the bar high for bad shit happening, to be honest. <laughs> but in all reality, for a lot of people, there was a lot of good stuff that happened this year as well, or this last year now as well. And and so I feel like it comes down to perspective and that we have we have an opportunity to choose how we're going to view the year, even even how we're going to view 2020 because the reality is for as awful and shitty as it was in a lot of different ways, we're still here. Now I know that's not true for everybody, but I'm saying right here, I'm still here. I've weathered every one of those storms throughout the year. I've rolled with the punches and I'm still standing. So I have to choose to look at that and say that has strengthened me in some way that has made me a different, better person, or at least hopefully a better person. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, and as we discussed, you know, on one of the previous episodes, I I don't do um, resolutions necessarily, but I decided to set to set myself up this year with a couple of words that are going to set the tone. Oh, I like that. I like that. And yeah. And so one of my words is intention. Mm hmm. And, and you guys know this because I shared this with you yesterday. A, a very, very good friend of mine died yesterday. Now, he's been sick for a while, so it was not necessarily unexpected. It was not COVID-related, but he passed away, and it broke my heart. I loved him very, very much. 
And the one thing that I want to be intentional about this year is making sure that I tell the people in my life that I love them and that they matter to me and their importance. But I want to go further. I want more intention in my life. I want to get up every day and know today I am intending to do this and to be successful here. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be failure because failure is a part of process. It's actually healthy for us to fail. That's how we learn. Absolutely. I want to live each day with intention, not just float through it and hope for the best by the end of the day, but have intention towards it. And then the other word that is going to set the tone for me in 2021 is perspective. Another realization that I have often, and sometimes I forget it and it'll pop up in my face, is that I live life from a pretty privileged position. And so that colors and affects my perspective on a lot of stuff that's going on in the world. I want to take time to view life from other people's perspective so that I understand that person better. And I'm able to, to commiserate or find mercy for their position and to maybe show a little mercy and grace for their position, uh, even if it's vastly different than my own. So those, those are what I'm setting this year up as. That's my view on last year. I'm going to choose to look at last year as a huge learning experience and a learning curve and say that I'm stronger for it. And now here's how I plan to live this year. So I don't know if that's what you had in mind for my mental minute, but that's my mental minute. That's really good. I love it. I love it. And, I and love how you go ahead. Go ahead. PK. No, please. I was just going to say, I love how you focused on like a year overview. Like when I was thinking about my mental minute, I was going to talk about the holidays and like everything that yeah, just, well, that yeah. happened. They just yeah. happened, you know, uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, how was your Christmas? Mine? Yeah. Uh, Pretty low key. You know, I mean, we're in a new state, in a new place. Uh, It was pretty damn cold, I'll be honest with you. It was like 18 degrees on Christmas Day. And for whatever reason, I almost have to laugh at the absurdity of it. Our furnace went out. (gasps) We woke up to a very, very cold house on Christmas morning, and the furnace wouldn't work. Mm. Um, Now, to be fair, we have two furnaces. We have one for upstairs and one for downstairs. But of course, the majority of living is downstairs. And on Christmas, of course, that's where the tree is. That's where breakfast is. That's, you know, everything. And it was like 50 degrees in our house. Oh, my goodness. It was was cold. Um, And of course, we're renting right now uh, for this first year that we're here. And so they deemed it not an emergency because the upstairs furnace still worked. And so Michelle handed the phone to her husband because it was not a happy reaction on my end. I don't know if you guys know this or not. I have a bit of a shitty temper. So (laughs) shut up, Seth. I don't know what you're talking about. I really don't know what you're talking about. Seth lives for my road rage rants. (laughs) I do, actually, very much. They brighten my life. Yeah. The polo rants. Uh, So here's a small insight into my personality and as it pertains to my temper. Do not ever adopt a tone with me that says, okay, sweetie, now just calm down. Oh, fucking bets off at that point. It's going to be an explosion. And that's what was happening. And so I stopped and handed the phone to my husband. And can we just note, though, from a mental health perspective, (laughs) telling someone who is upset... Yes. To calm down yes. is not the right thing to do. It actually will make the person angrier. And the, it did. To the point that they have to hand the phone over yes. and away because they can't yes. handle it anymore. Yes. 
Well, because I caught myself going off. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? And then I stopped and I went, okay, hold on. Oh, man. That's, <laughs> you have to talk that's to my the husband. worst. That's the worst, especially if you're on customer service call. You know, if, oh you're, if you're calling somebody and you're trying to get somewhere <laughs> yeah. and they patronize you like that. Yeah, yeah. It's over. I mean, to be fair, he's not a mental health professional. He, you know, he's a furnace it, repairman, but still. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's poor customer service. I agree. But anyway, so we ended up making it through Christmas. Of course, we had a lovely Christmas together. It was my husband and I and my youngest son and his wife. And I got to talk to all my other kids that day and make sure they're all okay. Unfortunately, I do have a daughter right now, a daughter and a son-in-law that both have COVID at the moment. So kind of staying in touch with them day to day and making sure that everything is, you know, as good as it can be. So, so far, okay. But, you know, uncomfortable, but okay. So, so yeah, the year ended with nice couple kicks there. But as I said, here we are. (laughs) Here we are still swimming. (laughs) Exactly. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Now, I want to hear from PK. I am so excited to hear about everything that's going on with you. I really am. So fill us in. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This week is such a super duper whirlwind, you know. But from a mental health perspective, I'll go here first. This last week was rough, rough, rough. I mean, uh, I remember vividly one client that screamed at me for 40 minutes, and I'm not kidding you, 40 minutes just at the top of their voice just shouting at me. <laughs> and, I'm, and you're trying to like de-escalate and deal with it and form a some type of therapeutic bond if possible and give some kind of level of understanding. And yet if that person is manic, and just going for it, you know. It doesn't matter. There's it a does. there's a potential that nothing good is going to come of it, and they're just going to get done with the phone and go, "Where's my potato chips?" You know, and <laughs> and they're just totally going to forget about who you were or what your name is or anything, you know. And that's probably pretty much what happened at the end of that phone call. But you feel like you just got in the ring with Mike Tyson, and he like bit your ear off. So, um, yeah, that's, that was difficult, like, because we were closed for the, the week of Christmas. So everybody was trying to get their stuff in. <laughs> so it was right. just intense. It was intense. But I was gearing up for the release of a new uh, podcast called Ask PK. Yay! That's yeah. right. Which uh, premiered today and uh, is, is, is live. So, you know, I didn't want to plug it here, but thank you, uh, Seth, for that opening. I appreciate it. Of course that. I will. And, this oh, is and a I big... saw you drop like five episodes all at once, right? Yep, yep, yep. Been yeah. working hard all month. And, and, and the thing is, is I've been working so much that I've been forgetting things. And when you put too much on your plate, like I blew <laughs> off three people this week that I had appointments with, and I just totally Oops. forgot that I had appointments with them. And then I made an appointment for tomorrow and, and realized I have a mammogram like an hour before the appointment. Oh. I got to go in and get squished before the appointment, you know. Squished. <laughs> so, There's no better ap- apropos term than that, right? No, One way no. Of calling and, it. And, and the thing is, is they tell you, don't wear any deodorant, don't wear any perfume, da-da-da. So I've got to go in the Florida heat to this appointment and then go meet somebody for, you know, a professional meeting, you know, and I've got to greet them and hug them. And I might be stinky because I might be sweating and dealing with this mammogram. 
program. So I'm all like, eh, well. I'm all like, I am going to bring a bag with deodorant and, and perfume and everything that I need, you know, <laughs> so that when I, and then they tell you wear frumpy clothes, you know, because you got to do the mammogram thing. So yep. it's, it's just like, it's, it's, uh, that's the kind of week I've had. But at the same time, <laughs> SPK has premiered, so I'm all happy about it. So, And Seth has been a big help with that. So I appreciate everything that you've done, Seth. And, and he's, he's a tremendous support to me. So I got to give him kudos. And and Michelle, you know, I don't I don't know if you realize it, but there's there's been a lot of times that you've been a support to me as well. So thank you, Aww. you know, for your friendship. It's meant a lot to me. You know, there's been times that I've been on the polo and I've been going, and Michelle's like, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, it's really hard when you do polo because you, you know, you just do this video text. So you just blap it all out there and then somebody responds. And sometimes when you go to push the button, you're like, I don't. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond to (laughs) this. Or the emotion has passed and you're like, for me that happens I'm like like, it's 20 minutes later I'm like I don't know how to respond to this emotion now because the emotion's older (laughs) and I want to honor it but at the same time I don't know what do you do well I love to act so I live for those moments because I can come in there and like (gasps) have the attitude that I'm supposed to even if it's like 20 (laughs) minutes later he's like I'm I'm acting I'm just acting I just (laughs) and Seth Seth is incredibly good at saying I just want you to know that I hear you. <laughs> yes. So there Always is an episode me. from Parenthood <laughs> where the mom gets really upset. And I don't remember there. It's been so long since I've watched the show. But literally the the line in the show was, I hear you, I see you. Or I see right. you, I hear you. And yeah. it's always stuck with me. It's it something impacted I like you emotionally mm-hmm. forever. So now and you I, use well, it. It's in your toolbox. Yeah. So well, I use it on others. Everybody wants to be validated. So I mean, it is, you know, it is not only that it's a good de-escalation method. Well, it's yeah. also a wonderful thing to say when you don't have the words to say. That right? As well. Like yeah. it's a situation yeah. where someone just brought up something that truly is really sad and difficult and I don't have the right words, but what I do have is myself. Right. And and I can hear you and I see you and I'll mm-hmm. be here. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the impulse, the human impulse is always to fix it. Right. Yes. But when somebody is going through something, there is no fix. It is just hold space, hold space. It's Absolutely. okay to let somebody feel bad. It's okay to not problem solve in that moment and go, well, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. Or, you know... <laughs> You know, heaven needed another angel or, or you know, oh some my gosh. stupid, oh, stupid stop. phrase. You know, when you throw out stuff like that, it ends up falling flat anyway, because it has no emotional validity in the moment. You're just trying to throw a wrench in there to fix something that doesn't have any nuts and bolts. It's it's emotion. So Absolutely. so yeah. you have to hold space in that moment and say, wow, that's yeah. so hard. That's so heavy. Yeah. Somebody shared something with me in the middle of the gym yesterday. Like we had an intense emotional conversation in the middle of the gym yesterday and and there was nothing I could say. And so at the end, I just, I just hugged them and they just held on to me really Mm. tight. And finally they stopped hugging me and they stepped back and they said, thank you. I didn't realize how much I needed that. Wow. And that was, that was in the moment, you know, it was like, okay, I, I could have said five different things, but none of them would have been as effective 
as just holding that person for a minute and allowing them some connection. Right. You know? And so, yeah, I mean, we have a tendency to want, like you said, to fix everything. And it's not, sometimes it's not our place. Sometimes it is, but not always. Most of the time, I don't think it isn't. Well, and that's something I learned pretty early on in doing crisis work. I remember graduating and thinking, oh, I've got, I've got the answers. I'm going to fix, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to fix everybody. I have, yeah, I am Mr. (laughs) Hero Man. Um, And what I found was like, I had all of these skills, but when you're working on a phone and the other person is in crisis, 95% of what you're actually doing is listening and reflecting. Yes. And the other 5% is where we actually bring in therapeutic skills. But but really, it's about listening. And just as you were mentioning, Validating. PK, yep. with that conversation that you had with the person who was very upset and screamed and yelled for 40 minutes, it doesn't matter what you said to that person in that moment. It would not have made a difference. What they need to do is they need to get that emotion out and be heard. And so I just want to validate everything everyone's already saying. But I, I really think listening and holding that space is so vitally important to having any real impact um, on another person in regards to change. Awesome. Awesome. Which brings up our, our topic. Have we, have we hit our mental minutes? Have we done? No, that? Seth has not hit his yet. So I, I didn't don't think let so. him squirm out of this. Cause really, I mean, 2021 seriously was the year of revelation about cats and female cats. That was definitely cats. one for you. Well, yeah. I had had such a great segue into that topic, too, by the way. I even had the tagline on the end about change, and you brought it back to me. Yes, 2020 has been a year. That was Uh, revelatory for you, Seth. In fact, I mean, I know this is going to go on in podcast form, but I mean, here she is. Lizzie, I just want to tell our listeners that aren't going to see this. Lizzie is matted around her head and everything because oh, her recent even... issue, her recent issue is ear mites. dumped her ass in water. <laughs> her recent no, but... issue, no, is ear mites. She has ear mites. So Seth went and got the drops Aww. and they had a wrestling match and pour it in the, and, in, and it's <laughs> oil. So the oil has gotten all over Lizzie. It's all over her face. <laughs> So, so I tried she's got to Jerry her. curls now. <laughs> I tried to stick her in the sink yesterday to try to like, you know, get the oil out. She did not like the sink. Cats do not like water? Well, but what? It has to be washed off. We're going to, I have to give her a Baby bath. Baby wipes. I have Baby to give, wipes. Uh, no, that's not going to work with this. I. She, it's better than dunking her head under a faucet. Well, I you w- wait till you see her face. I mean, we're going to have Poor a little, sp- I have to put her in the bathtub later on today. I'm going to have to shut the door. I'm going to have to wear gloves. It's going to be a whole thing. He's going to have yes. to tape himself up. And <laughs> he's going to have to use duct tape just to keep himself from getting scratched. 2020 has I feel there's been a lot of good that's happened this year I mean I did step out of a care manager role where I was working with clients every day into a clinical trainer role now where I'm like actually influencing clinicians that are influencing clients so I feel like I've gained greater uh I don't know impact in 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 a way Um, rather than one-on-one I'm now impacting the lives that will go on and change other people's lives and so that's pretty cool uh in talking about my mental Lizzie no in talking, Lizzie, 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 I'm on. We're in an episode. 
Okay. Lizzie, we're live. Literally. <laughs> so in talking about my mental in talking about my mental minute, I went home for the holidays and we broke every rule that you're supposed to follow at the holidays. Uh, night one, we debated uh, Donald Trump and oh, politics. Oh, don't talk oh, about politics, politics that or was religion. Night, night two, night two was about Jesus. Um, oh dear. And, oh dear. And really, it's I will have to be careful because it's my family and I love them and I care about them. Lizzie, you're gonna have to stop. I, <laughs> Lizzie is attacking his headphones. Attacking my yep. like my headphones and everything. Okay, so. I have to be careful on what I say in regards to some of this, but night two is about religion, faith, things that have been happening within the within my extended family. But then also, you know, I think my parents, they have two kids and they're both gay. So there, I think that they feel a little bit like maybe the fact that we're not, like diehard Christians could maybe be their fault, you know, and, and that's a conversation topic that we kind of have to work around. So um, diehard Christians and not gay or just diehard Christians? What do you mean? Well, the fact that you're not diehard Christians and not gay or just not diehard The fact Christians. that we've struggled in our faith may be a result of the way that we were raised and brought up. Okay. Uh, looking at things now, now that we're both gay and we're out, Brent's going to get married before you know it. I mean, he's not engaged yet, but I'm assuming they will be soon. And it's just, yeah. So that was a whole conversation. And then night three, uh, we had a, like the gay issue really came out and I got really upset at one point, cried and had to run away Aww. and then came back after a few minutes and continued the conversation. But I, in talking about my mental minute, I just want to say like holiday time's tough and sometimes serious conversations happen. And I had quite a few of those. That's difficult. So yeah, very, I think one of the things that was brought up is my personal trauma and how I haven't really dealt with it. And one of the things that I was challenged on was, you know, like, what is it going to take? What do you need that you didn't get? And that's when I broke down and cried and had to run away. Um, I have I have a clarification question. Yeah. You certainly don't have to. And I'm sorry, it. I'm babbling all over the place. No, no, right no. Now. You you certainly don't have to answer it, but I'm just curious about something. Yeah. Um. So there was this whole emotional conversation surrounding that you felt was with regard to maybe their perceived failure as parents potentially. on the, on the, yeah, potentially on the subject of Christianity. Okay. But I think but any parents question. that have gay children yes. would feel that. But, but okay. So here's my question then, because I was under the impression that they are okay with you and your brother. Oh, they um, are. They do are. you think that there's still something subconscious though, that makes them feel as though they failed in that aspect too? Because I don't understand. I mean, because yes, um, your, your Christianity and your, and your homosexuality is deeply entwined because of course your tradition doesn't believe that you're okay if you're gay. Right. Well, my older brother's not a Christian. Okay. So that's the core issue there. Like, you so know, do, you, do is, you think that their issue is that they're questioning their own beliefs about homosexuality and where that puts them as far as their belief system? I can't speak to that. I don't know. Because it seems like it's it's 
a painful subject matter for everybody involved. But the question that was brought up, which I think is, I mean, I'm going to go here. I'm sorry if I'm stealing the show. No, uh, no, no. But I, in, this is my issue. I did everything I was freaking told. I did everything that I thought was right. I went to my parents. I asked for help. I saw counselors. I went to California. I went to a freaking drug and alcohol rehab facility in an attempt to try to become straight. I went through all of that shit. And at the end, there was never a, we accept you as gay. And I don't mean my individual parents. I'm talking about like my extended family. It's just kind of, it's a mute. It's me. It's just, it's something we don't talk about. And it's like, I fought so hard. You can't apologize for like leading me down that path or like recognizing or acknowledging what I went through to get to where I am now, but rather it's just, we don't talk about it. And that as someone who fought so hard, I live off of validation. And so I think that is what it is for me, but that's, I'm not, that's not even my parents. That's my extended family. Like the, the system in which I was raised, there was never any recognition when it was all said and done. Well, you know, I, I hear myself. I'm sorry, PK, go ahead. Well, I was going to say weaving this into the theme of change that we're talking about today. I think that even though we change, a lot of times the people around us don't change and they don't, they don't change their image of us because Mm. my, my family does that as well. And my wife's family, you know, some of the members of them still put her, her name that she used to have on Christmas cards that they sent to us. Oh. Oh, wow. You know, they refuse to put Ashley Langley and I never asked my wife to change her name. She volunteered that. It never even occurred to me that she wanted to be a Langley, you know? And so I was very honored when she said, I want to be a Langley. I thought, well, that's great. You know, that's beautiful. But her, some of her family members feel that, you know, I corrupted her and, you know, they, they think that that's a vile thing. And so they just refuse and they put her other name on there and, and, um, that hurts her heart. It hurts her that they won't acknowledge and validate the person that she has chosen to be and who she has changed into. So mm-hmm. they still see her as who she used to be. And, and I told her they've never really seen her. They've never really acknowledged who she is. Because if you really acknowledge someone for who they are, then truly you should be able to walk with them as they change as well. You know, you should be able to honor them as they do change. And as you have changed, I think one of the hardest things for any of us to realize, and this is something I'm trying to be more intentional about as well. It's easy to become offended by how people respond to us, you know, and, and to feel and to internalize how they're making us feel like, oh, they're making me feel like I'm not okay as a person when most of the time you feel as though you are okay as a person. And so the one thing that keeps coming back for me, and I keep hearing myself reminding this, uh, reminding people of this as well as myself, how someone responds to you says so much more about them than it does about us. And so if we could, if we could avoid that need to internalize what they're saying and instead look at it and evaluate it and say, what is this telling me about this person? Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and of course, that's a very difficult place to operate from because that means we have to be super secure in who we are. And I don't know very many people that are super secure in who they are. Yeah, I'm not. Exactly. We all have weak spots. But if in the moment we could stop and remind ourselves, hold on, this person is telling me something. I, I don't think that's true about me. So I'm going to evaluate what is this telling me about this person? Mm-hmm. And and if we could see it from that perspective, it, it alleviates a lot of that personal emotional distress that we feel you know and really really what you're teaching is a a coping skill michelle pretty much it's an effective coping skill which is necessary if we're going to talk about change yeah that people need to learn is to take a moment when you have an emotional reaction and realize Mm -hmm. that that emotional reaction you know is something you need to process why am i reacting this way. Right. And what right. what's happening, you know, to take a moment and withdraw and analyze what's going on inside of you and why it's happening. We and too often again we're just responding. And and often that response comes from a place of hurt or discomfort. And it is hard to find yourself in that position position to take a moment and evaluate. But again, it is probably something healthy for each one of us. And, and the other side of this is maybe that person is saying something that's really relevant and necessary for us to hear. And so taking that moment to evaluate, is this actually true? Should I actually internalize or, you know, at least question this about myself? That's a, that's a positive, healthy thing as well. And if it's not true, then saying, no, that's not true. But if it is going, okay, let me evaluate that because I think there is some truth to that. So again, it's, it's stepping outside of the emotion and observing process which is difficult it speaks to one of your words perspective absolutely yes to be able to step back in any given situation and evaluate um, it also is a can apply and be used through mindfulness um, even in, in some in some regards I struggle to do those things, which is not too much of a surprise for our listeners. We all do, Seth. But I find that I often, when I have very strong emotional reactions, I feel like I have to justify or Mm -hmm. explain or, or some, I have to come back with an explanation and it's often I can't. And then I feel trapped, and then that's when I have an emotional outburst. Right. It's almost like a trauma response. But I. Well, yeah, it is yeah. a trauma response. <laughs> yeah, I think it is. But as it pertains to your family, like you're saying, your extended family who you feel like probably still isn't accepting of who you are, can't you? Okay, go ahead. Go well, because I have to, because it's possible some of my family may listen to this, so I have sure. to. Ba- I have sure. to back up, and I need to be. I need to clarify a few things. Okay. They have never said anything negative. They have never said that they didn't love me. It has been communicated through and through that I love you no matter what. There's nothing that you could do to change my love. That is not my issue. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The issue is not calling it out specifically. And what I mean is the fact that I did everything that I was told I did everything that I thought it was right. I did everything that I thought God wanted me to do. And when it didn't work, no one came around and said, I love you f- for being gay. You know what I mean? Like it never but got isn't validated. Isn't that an acceptance issue? I, I think that they, they still accept me. They still love me. I just have never heard. I, I think that there's something within me that needs that validation. It's almost as if I'm unable to step forward without it. 
Does that make sense? It, it does. But have you have you voiced this to them? Have you explained this perspective to them? Because it sounds as though you're holding them to a standard that they may not be aware of. Right. And that's not fair. Well, that was it, night three with my family because yeah. they talked about all of this. And the truth of the matter is I haven't and I'm going to be doing that soon. Right. Um, and I, this isn't in regards to my fam- my parents. This is in regards to my no, family. That, yeah. um, and I haven't because honestly, I, I'm a little scared too. Well, yeah, it's vulnerable. Yeah. I, I have another question. This is for PK, and so you certainly don't have to answer this either. But coming from your background, you, of course, were a pastor and a pastor's wife for a lot of years, is my understanding. Yeah. You, I, I don't think you've been quiet on the fact that you, were, that you were married to a man. How has that response been from your family now that, that you're in a relationship with your wife, Ashley? Um, has that... Do you do you feel like that's accepted or is that still a, a point of contention for you? Because I can let me let me verify one or not verify, but let me explain what I'm asking, because it would be very easy for your family to go. I, yeah, I just have a hard time accepting this because you you did have a different role in their eyes for so long. It wasn't a life, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth. What I'm saying is it wasn't a lifelong thing for you. You know what I mean? It was right. It was an evolution. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good word or not, but for for me, I always knew I was different. Um, but for me it was more I love who I love. Uh mm-hmm. for my wife, she never had an experience with anyone uh right. ma- male. Never. Mm-hmm. Uh so my wife would more identify with being gay. And if I had to identify, I would have to say that I was, I was more bisexual or, you know, just love who I love. You know, I don't, you know, I don't put it there. Um, Not that I would be into living in a house with six men and seven women. (laughs) But well, as long as they're all doing the housework. Yeah. Um, But, but um, my family, my entire family, uh, except my mother, uh, has fully embraced Ashley and I. Because Ashley was always with me uh, during that time when I was married to a man. She was my best friend and was right next to me. And and the thing is, is he was never, um, we were much more of a team than we were physically connected. So uh, everywhere I went, Ashley was with me. It wasn't like I was with my husband. I would always show up with Ashley. So it was almost like we were married already for years and years and years. It was always just Ashley and I. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're kind of, they were kind of used to me and Ashley being married before we were ever okay. married. And, and my sister actually told me that my father, before he passed away, uh, had mentioned something about Ashley and I, you know, that he thought that we were, you know, together, together. Um, and, but my mother has never accepted us and, Aww, and, um, um, she still has religious inclinations. Now that doesn't mean she doesn't love me or she doesn't talk to me because she does, but she struggles with it. And I, and I know that, um, but she still is, is very kind toward me and loving toward me. So, but it's difficult because if we, if we want to go to Michigan to visit, it's nothing but pain for my wife. Right. Because all she thinks about is the rejection that her family has poured right. out upon her. Like they have come to visit right here within three miles of us and not told her and then posted oh, it on wow. Facebook. 
you know? And it's Yikes. just like, oh my goodness, how can you do that to her? You know? It's so hurtful. Um, it so, is. So, especially with a human being as gentle and kind as my wife is. Like, you will never meet right. a soul that is so, so sweet. And, you know, for anybody that's met my wife, they've, they know uh, she's just a, a very kind-hearted person. So uh, it's difficult because she's, she's sent monies to her nephews and nieces and has no idea whether or not they've ever given them the Christmas Aww. gifts and stuff uh, because of the way they treat them. So, like I said, you know, I mean, you, you can change, but you can't change the people to change with you. <laughs> so, right. yeah. And I well, think... And, and I th- No, no, go ahead. Well, I think that's a really good point to bring up. If we're going to talk about change, one of the things we have to look at is what about other people? Um, Because so much I have wanted to change my like certain people in my life so much. And I can't no matter how hard I try, I cannot change anyone but myself. And I'm really happy you brought that up because that's a very important thing for us to keep in mind in this conversation. Giving space, being able to hold that space, stepping back, being able to provide perspective, and then also letting go of control, of needing to control them. Well, and and that brings up an important distinction here. Um, I went through, of course, something along this line, you know, this little epiphany several years ago. Um, I, of course, I've been married for a lot of years. I've been married for 32, almost 33 years, there are things in my marriage that have been there all along that are not to my liking. Um, And for years I accepted them because I thought, well, I have to accept it because I love this person. But the reality is I don't have to accept those things. And so as as it pertains to change, what I found is the biggest change in me is advocating for myself and saying, look, here's what, here's my line. And I can't make you change. As much as I want you to be the person I want you to be, you are who you are. And I can't change you. So all I can do is change myself if necessary or to put boundaries in place that say this is who I am. This is what I accept. And the only change that I can make here is to say I get to make the choice whether I'm here or not. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that pertains to any relationship that we have. We can't change the people involved in that relationship, but we get to choose who we are in that relationship. We get to make the change if we feel it's necessary. And that's difficult. See, and I, but see, I've done that. Um, man, I, I want to like talk. It's, this is so hard to talk about because I want to talk yeah. about this stuff, but I don't want to talk about bad about anybody because I have like truly no, one of the most. Bad. I have one of the most loving families ever like it's legacy on the different like the our love of others and our love of each other but i ex- but somewhere you're missing something yeah i am and i think what i'm seeing i think 2020 has it's shown the weaknesses within my family's faith um there's, uh, I was raised to believe certain things and that God is our peace and that he is our rock. And right now, when I look at people around me, they don't have peace. Right. They don't have, what they have preached for the last 20, 30, 40 years about God being their rock. He's not their rock right now. Uh, 
so it just makes me ask lots of questions. But I think that you bring up, this is really good to talk about because I very much want to change these people. I very much want to go in and be like, you don't understand. Like, look at my life. My life matters. I can't get over. I have people in my family who voted Republican and are supporting policies that want to take my damn rights away and want to push civil rights back 50 years. Like, I can't, I very much struggle to, to be okay with that. But I think we really need to look at those coping strategies of perspective and not responding emotionally because I very much do that often. Because everybody has a right to exist and exactly. they have a right to their opinions, however twisted or different they are from yours. You know, they have a right from the serial killer that's sitting in a cell somewhere. I don't like that. Every person has a right to exist and they have a right to think the thoughts that they think because they are a separate human being. We can't force them to conform because if we do that, then we're the monster. We are the monster. I think it comes back to also remembering, certainly as it pertains specifically to what you mentioned, Seth, that people, when they're, when they're emoting some kind of a response about a, a matter or, you know, a, you know, a subject that's volatile, um, oftentimes they're not thinking about the people specifically in their life that it will affect. They're thinking on a macro level. Right. They're thinking about from this perspective on a macro level, I don't agree with this, but they never bring it down to the specific effect that it has on somebody Real that they life. may even know. Right. Yes. And, and I think that's one of the things that this year or 2020 has taught us as, as it pertains to COVID. There were a lot of people that had a very, you know, strong st uh, stance on whether COVID was real, whether it was as bad as it thought we thought, whether there was an effect, whether they should wear a mask, all of these things. Many of them got perspective, but they only got it when it personally affected their family. Right. Because they weren't capable of understanding it from that level before. So I don't think that... The majority of people that you know that are voting on those issues that would detrimentally affect you are doing it with the understanding of, I know this is going to detrimentally affect Seth and I'm okay with that. I don't think they're doing that. Right. I think that they're working from conviction without that specific understanding. Well, they need they need to be shown the light. They need I, to I, understand okay. the consequences of their action, especially when they're their own goddamn family. Like, I'm oh, well, sorry. Yes. Like, I really... I. Mm struggle in this area so i ch talking about change is a good thing i think it's appropriate in this season <laughs> look at that segue right there just swing that gauntlet back around <laughs> well chris just popped into the conversation yeah, we've had all know, kinds I of thought, comments and he I tells know, me I that thought. i can't lump you can't lump all conservatives into a minority part group that wants to take your rights away most he's, want he's the government right. out of your bedroom he's right the consequences of that action are potentially <laughs> damage to the LGBTQ population. So No, no. But what I mean is he's right. We can't lump everybody under a label and assume that they all believe exactly the same thing. Because right. that's, pre that's prejudice. But their vote that's goes to something. And it's actually one of the biggest problems we have in our country right now is that we are very label-oriented uh, label and we all operate from a different definition of said label. So therefore, if I believe this label means this and you say you believe that, then you're one of those people. Without ever knowing the person. Prejudice. It's very detrimental. Prejudice. Prejudice. Well, Chris wants same... everyone to know that he's sorry, but he fully disagrees with me. Go ahead, he's, PK. Uh, which, which, by the way, he is 
fully at liberty to do. And I cut PK off, so PK go. Well, you know, the, the essence to me of, of love is accepting people for who they are, where they are. That's the essence of love. And, you know, when it comes to change, it's right. It comes down to you. It comes down to your journey on this planet. And the older I get, the more I learn, the less I know. And absolutely. So, so and isn't that life changing? <laughs> so I, I often throw my hands up in the air and say, I don't know. And change is scary and change is daunting and change is difficult. And at the same time, we have so much to work on in our own personal house. Who in the hell has time to worry about what else, what someone else is thinking? Who has time to worry about what somebody else is about? Because we've got so much work to do on ourselves. Oh my goodness. Yeah, true. <laughs> I'm know? a mess. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think if we if we took a more humble position, I think that there would be a whole lot more room on the bargaining table for things like this. If we actually looked for compromise instead of contention all the time, you know, instead of looking at all the things that separate us, let's look for commonality and try to find those those common ground moments that would make the world a little bit better place, in my opinion. Again, perspective. Yes, Michelle. We know you have wonderful (laughs) words. Okay, for twenty twenty one. We know you've you've told them. Everyone's heard it. Seth's word for twenty twenty one is sarcasm. Ha ha. Yes, yes. (laughs) Which you are more than welcome to have, Seth, because I speak fluent sarcasm as well. Well, Thank God. (laughs) Yes. So. We've talked about perspective. We've talked about giving the moment the break. I've talked about my mental minute in talking, which that was fun. Um, <laughs> boy, oh boy. I Your feel, mental minutes are never boring, Seth. I feel like I could go clinical, but we've... Go clinical. Go clinical. <laughs> Do it. Just a little bit. Let's go a little clinical. Yeah, I don't I think have it's a problem with clinical. In, in looking at things from a clinical perspective, <laughs> we do uh, assessments to find out where people are at when it comes to change. And the reason we do that is we want to find out where somebody is at in their heart and in their mind so that we can address them from a treatment perspective. Uh, Because if you come in and somebody is saying that they want to, let's say, stop drinking, and we give them an assessment and really they're in a pre-contemplative stage of change, then they're really just kind of not really even contemplating that that change. They're not really ready to take action. So mm-hmm. uh, the whole way we address treatment is is different for that person. So we do assessments like the Eureka, which came out of uh, Rhode Island. It's a readiness score that we uh, do. It's um, the stages of change. 
and they are pre-contemplation, contemplation, action, and maintenance. And uh, you give somebody, uh, basically, there's there's like a 28-item version. There's a 32-item version. There's like several different versions out there. It's kind of fragmented into different kinds of tests for smoking or weight loss or or whatever. But uh, they, they give the assessment and then find out where somebody is at so that we can basically figure out where somebody is in addressing their treatment and how we how we go from there. So if they're in a pre-contemplative stage, then we can pull them in and toward the action stage of change and uh, get them moving. If they are in a maintenance stage of change, they're kind of beyond the, the treatment and they're just kind of holding on. It, it just changes the whole way you address change. So uh, it, it's also helpful, even if you're not in, in treatment, you can look up the Eureka. If you put in Eureka, Rhode Island, you can find it in, in Google. Uh, you can take it yourself uh, if you want to uh, when it comes to a variety of different things, just to kind of find out where you're at mentally. And that can help you to address your own change, whatever you're looking at changing in 2021 and see if you're in the pre-contemplative contemplation action or maintenance stage of change. And if you do that, you can move forward, backward, whatever you got to do. <laughs> don't go backwards. <laughs> yeah, don't go backwards. We really want to move forward. We, we have had enough of 2020. We're going to move forward. I, I, I was just going to say, I think the stages of change are very important. And, um, I'm probably in more pre-contemplation in areas than I'd like, but it is it, it is a good way, um, and why these assessments are important is because we need to be able to tailor interventions and support based upon where a person is on this continuum, um, which I know PK, I'm just kind of repeating PK here, but um, I just, I think it's, I think it's a, a good thing to consider with certain things in your life. Um, so I think checking out that test um, over certain topics could indeed be very helpful. I love assessments. Assessments are so fun because you discover so much about yourself uh, when you start taking different assessments to learn who you are. It can help you to grow and it can help you to change. Um, and it can help you to see where you're at because sometimes our heart betrays us and our, and our mind, we can be thinking something. I met a, a young man recently who boasted about a whole lot of stuff and his, his expression was very different than what he said. And so it was incongruent to me. What he was presenting wasn't the same as what he was saying. So that tells me that there was a disconnect there. And so if you do these type of assessments, it can help you to see, is there a disconnect between who you think you are and who you actually are, which can happen. And sometimes even with trauma or with PTSD, there can become this, this disconnect between who we think we are and who we actually are and a disassociation that occurs. So if you, if you take these uh, types of assessments, it can determine where you're at and help you to reintegrate. It can help you to uh, reassess things and uh, make some goals. So anytime that you spend in personal investment, 
and I'm in my 50s, I think that it's extremely valuable in life, extremely. And I think that we should really spend a good 15 to 20% of our time investing in ourselves. Because if you make you better, then everything that you impact around you, the world that you influence around you is better. I agree. agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, we said that at the same time. We did. We were in sync there. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah, it was. Well, I was busy looking up the Eureka because <laughs> I wanted to see what it was you were talking about. I have not looked at it, so I have it in front of me. But um, it's specific. They have specific one towards drugs, alcohol, and this one is psychotherapy that I'm looking at. But it's just an easy little assessment. Anybody that's ever done a Briggs Myers thing would be able to do this. Or what is it now? The Enneagram. I know that's a big one for people. Yeah. Enneagram. The what? Enneagram. Yeah, I never can say it right. I also have no idea what number I am, so I'm a four. See, everybody always knows their number but me. I have no idea what my number is. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening and watching this episode of Mental. Um, We are very stoked to bring you this new intro that you had and heard with my poor intro to come through on. But it has been a difficult year. And I think a conversation around change is is important. And we're going to continue to do that for the rest of January. And uh, if you are interested in our show... Um, I do want to let you know that we do have a Patreon. Michelle, what are some of the benefits we offer the Patreon? Damn it, I knew he was going to do that. You suck, Boom. Seth. You oh, did that on, on purpose. Come on. You did that shit on purpose. He he does that to me because he knows I never remember. So he's just giving me shit right now. Threw you on the Ugh. altar just that fast. We offer, really if did. you support our show, we offer bonus content. We offer a free Marco Polo group to have direct access to both PK, Michelle, and I. So I guess. Oh, you do not want direct access to me. I'm mouthy. Trust me, guys. I'm I'm the Latino in the middle. That's me. (laughs) It looks like you, PK. I promise. I know you don't think so, but it does. That's hilarious. All right, everybody. Also, <laughs> wait, wait. We have a number. Wait, we have a we number. Have a phone oh, number. we do. The hotline. We do. The hotline. The hotline. You can't Stop forget the press. hotline. Wait, Hot on wait. The press. I've got and the number. And everybody knows the number but me, so go it ahead. It is three one four six nine zero five double ot five. And if you don't know what oh. an ot is, it's a zero. <laughs> So five zero zero five. So three one four six nine zero five zero zero five. I think my I, I haven't heard that in forever with regard <laughs> to numbers. I'm just not. So not. please text not. or call our hotline with questions, suggestions. Um, if you want to talk about change, um, reach out to us with the one thing that you're hoping to change in 2021. And we will see you all next week. Get 
Get more for your money this Thanksgiving at Meyer. Set the table with Meyer Grade A frozen turkey for 55 cents per pound, limit two. Then save with everyday low prices on sides like Meyer frozen steamable sweet corn and Meyer cream of mushroom soup, a five pound bag of russet potatoes for 99 cents, and Pillsbury crescents and pie crust. Buy three, get two free. Plus, get the same low Meyer prices no matter how you shop, in store or online. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. Anticipation is building. The holidays are just around the corner, and at the Home Depot, we can't wait. With Black Friday savings all through November, you can count down to Christmas early with a Santa Countdown Inflatable Special Buy, only $69.98. Or anticipate when friends and family come to visit with an entrance full of LED lights that will welcome them and the holidays with open arms. Get the holiday magic started early. The Home Depot. How doers get more done.